Go with me to Leviticus chapter 21. That's in the Old Testament towards the front of your Bible. If you can't find it, just go to the, I guess it's the index and find out where it's at. And, and, but it's Leviticus chapter 21. I want to talk to you today. And the title of my message is Keep Your Clothes On. <laughs> You're like, that, that's good to know, Pastor. Somebody told me we had a guy parked across the street this morning with no shirt on taking pictures of the building. And somebody said, well, invite him in. I was like, well, hold up, time out. Let's think about this first. <laughs> Keep your clothes on. Leviticus chapter 21, verse 10 says this. The high priest was the highest ranking of all the priests. The anointing all has been poured on his head and he has been ordained to wear the priestly garments. He must never leave his hair uncombed or tear his clothes. He must never leave his hair uncombed or tear his clothes. It kind of sounds strange, you know, because the the command was that the high priest was to never tear his clothes. But clothes tearing in the Old Testament, in fact, even in some of the New Testament, was a pretty common practice to show disgust or to show when I've had enough or to show when I've thrown in the towel, they would, in anguish, they would just take their clothes and just rip them. This is not the WWE or whatever that thing is, the wrestling thing where they have those thin T-shirts, these were real robes, and they would just rip them apart just to show that I've had enough. I can't take anymore. I quit. I throw in the towel. In those days, everybody else could rip their clothes as a sign to show that I've had enough except the priest. The priest was commanded to never rip his clothes or never tear his clothes. And it was because he was given access to something that the rest of the people weren't given access to. And we'll talk about that in a little while. But it was a common practice. King David tore his clothes. Job, when he found out that he had just lost his 10 kids in anguish, just ripped his clothes. Joshua and Caleb, who were one of the, or who were two of the spies that went into the promised land, and they, 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 they spied out the land, this promised land that God told them they could have. They were the only two of the spies that came back and says, we can take it. It's ours. It's ripe for the taking. But the other spies convinced the people to be afraid, and they said, no, we're not going to go. And in anguish, knowing that they would spend another 40 years in the wilderness until God wiped out all those fearing people, Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says, tore their clothes. Just because it was like a failure. It was like, God, we're right here standing at the borderline of the promised land. And because somebody's afraid, I got to go another 40 years in the desert. Some of you are here this morning and you've, you've experienced some things in your life that have brought you to a point where you've just been like, I'm done. I'm done. I give up. Maybe it was a tragedy. Maybe it was a loss. Maybe it was a failure. Maybe it was a hurt. Maybe it was a disappointment. I'll never forget when my grandmother died. Uh, My grandmother was a strong lady. She was 80-something years old, and she was still private sitting in the old folks' home, I think she would say. And... My grandmother didn't die from natural causes. She didn't die from a sickness or a disease. 
My grandmother died when she ran into a house that was being moved. We used to pick and say it took a house to kill grandma. And she was driving one day, and she was, they were moving a house, and she didn't see the sun was in her eyes. She didn't see the state trooper trying to wave her out the way, and she hit the corner of the house and died instantly. I was living, that was in Franklin, Louisiana. I was living in Jennings at the time. I was helping to build the Jennings High School. And I remember I was on a tractor grading the road or something, and I got a phone call. It was my uncle, and he said, called me Bubba. He said, Bubba, your grandma just died. I said, how? He said, she hit a house. It was being moved, and she just hit the ground. In that moment, I went to a place of numbness. I went to a place of I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. I was dumbfounded in a sense. And, and the only thing I knew to do was to call Pastor Bubba. I don't know why, but I just, I grabbed my phone. Well, I had my phone in my hand. I just, I dialed his number. And he said, hello. And I said, hey, my grandma just died, and I don't know what to do. Just shock. Just total shock. Wasn't expecting it was a normal day like any other day. Never thought I would get the phone call that one of the closest people in my life had just died tragically. Shock. We never know when things are going to come at us. We never know when things are going to hit us. We never know when people are going to hurt us. We never know when the car is going to pull out or run the red light. We never know when things are going to happen, right? But we do know that God's immovable and God's unchangeable and he's always there and he's always with us and he has the power to pull us and bring us through everything that we'll ever face. Right? And so in these days, the priests were forbidden to tear their clothes because of a reason called access. The Bible says that the priests were anointed with oil, so they had the anointing of God on them. So it was forbidden for the priests to tear their clothes because they were the only ones that had the anointing of God on them. The other reason the priests couldn't tear their clothes is because they had access. Access just to play to a place where nobody else had access. They had access to a place called the Holy of Holies. In those days, the presence of God was held in, in a temple or in a building. And in that building, only the high priest could go in and experience the presence of God. He was the only one that was anointed with, with the oil. He was the only one that could go into the presence of God. So it was forbidden for him to ever act as if I've had enough. To ever act as if that's enough. To ever act as I give up, I throw in the towel. He was forbidden. But yet anybody else could do it. But anybody else didn't have available to them what the priest had available to them. So today I want to tell you to keep your clothes on. Hang on. Don't tear them. God's going to do something. Not under any circumstances was the priest allowed to tear his clothes. He had access. He had anointing. He faced things just like anybody else faced. But he had something that nobody else had. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is this access that we have. We have access. could tear their clothes, but the king could not. He was forbidden. 
Let me ask you a question this morning. Who's our high priest? Christ, Jesus is our high priest, right? If Jesus is my high priest, then Jesus has access. Jesus has access to the presence of God. In fact, Jesus is God. Jesus had the anointing on him that at the time not many other people had ever had or experienced. We're all going to face grief. We're all going to face pain, struggles, hurt, despair, disappointment, tragedy, and loss. The difference is, is we have access that no unbeliever has. Jesus makes up the difference for us that the world doesn't have the ability to have the difference made up for them. You following me? Jesus is the difference maker. What separates me from an an unbeliever when we go through the same tragedy is that Jesus makes the difference. Are you hearing me? Jesus makes the difference. If you have two people that intersect at at an intersection and come into a a collision, one's a believer and one's an unbeliever, who has the advantage? The believer, why? Because he has Jesus. Jesus is the difference maker. You need to remember this. Jesus is always the difference maker. Jesus is the reason that you're able to go through what you've been through. If I had time to let you share your stories, you would leave here with your shirt soaking wet because of the tears you would cry when you hear the stories in this place. And you go, I would have never known that to be true about you. And I would say that it's because of Jesus that they're still here. Some of you are still here simply because of Jesus. Your life was on a pathway to destruction. You were headed downhill fast, and there was no brakes left on the truck, but Jesus showed up. And some of you are here, and you've not had much tragedy in your life. I hate to say it, but I experienced a lot of tragedy at a young age. By the age of 16 or 17, I'd already lost three or four close people in my life. It seemed like those days I spent more times at funeral homes than I did anywhere else. These days, I'll be honest with you, I like to go to funerals. I do. Because I sit in funerals and I hear stories about people's lives. And I go, wow. It makes me focus on the end of my life. It brings me back to the places that God delivered me from. When my mama died, I always said, if my mama dies, that's it, I'm done. She was my only rock, my only strength. She raised me all by herself. She died and God held me through the whole process. And he walked me through the whole thing. And I'm here today because Jesus made a difference. Jesus was the difference maker. I believe Paul said it best when he said what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. I want you to hear these words. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Let me tell you something this morning. Just because you gave your life to Jesus doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen to you anymore. God never said that. His word never says that. In fact, Jesus says everything that I've walked through, you're going to walk through it yourself. People are going to reject you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to 
stab you. Come on, somebody. They're going to come after you. They're going to crucify you. Paul said we're getting pressed from every side, but we're not this. This is happening, but we're not this. This is coming at me, but we're not this. This is coming this way, but we're not going to be this way. He said in that, in your trouble, you're sharing in the death of Jesus. Watch this. It's super important. It says through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. So when we suffer, which means we're going to suffer. Look at your neighbor say, get ready, we're going to suffer. I'm praying it don't happen today. But you know Monday's coming. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. Watch this, here's the reason. So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Watch this, the reason God didn't exempt you from trouble when you gave your life to Jesus is because he wants to show off Jesus inside your life when you go through trouble. Right? When everything's coming against you, you don't have to be like you used to be. You now have the life of God, the life of Jesus living inside of you, and it now becomes, or it now starts to get displayed like never before. I think it's crazy when James says, count it all joy when various trials come your way. <laughs> Still to this day, it, it, it just it blows my mind that he says that. But when we go through things, when we suffer, when we get in despair, when we get to the point where we want to go, listen to me, there's days I want to go, I'm just done. There's days I want to go, I'm, I'm going back to concrete. Forget this ministry. Ministry is harder than concrete. <laughs> there's days that I want to do that. I want to be real with you this morning. I want to be very transparent. There's days I want to just rip my clothes and go, I'm done. You invest your life in people. And you sweat and you labor and you pray over people and you encourage people and you walk with them through crisis. And then they turn their back on you. There's a difference inside of Jesus. You just go say, hey, give up. I'm doing something here. I'm doing something with you while we're going through this. He said, don't give up because we're going through this. Right? Don't give up because we're growing through this. Right? But somewhere along the way, somebody told Christians that they weren't supposed to struggle and they weren't supposed to have problems. I want to show you something. I need, I need you to listen in close real quick because I want to give you a little bit of a revelation I just got. And it's, it's Jesus standing before the high priest. You remember Jesus was arrested in the garden. Peter cut the dude's ear off. Jesus had to put it back. Remember? And they bring him to the, to the town or to Jerusalem or wherever it was. And they, they put him before the high priest. And they were trying to bring all these uh, false witnesses to testify against Jesus and so in this moment, Jesus is here, and he's bound by other men, maybe in chains. And in front of him is this whole council of high priests. Okay, I just want to build the, the, the picture for you. Matthew twenty six sixty five says this. This will blow your mind. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror. Wait, what? 
The high priest is standing in front of God himself, and the high priest knows that I'm not supposed to ever, under any circumstances, show my disgust, show my anger, show my quitting, show my giving up. The high priest standing in front of Jesus rips his, his robe. I go, dude, you're standing in front of God. I wonder what Jesus was thinking in that moment. Did you just leave me? Did you just rip your clothes? Who should have been tearing their clothes? Was it not Jesus who had the right to tear his clothes? Was it not Jesus who was under the most stress? They weren't under stress. They were arresting the person they had been after for a long time. Jesus was the one being arrested. He was the one on trial. He knew what was getting ready to happen to him. If anybody should have ripped his clothes, it should have been Jesus. The people he came to save were the ones that he knew were getting ready to spit and curse and throw things at him. Right? Jesus should have torn his clothes. The high priest tears his clothing. Then I notice how Jesus makes the way. And you've got to know this today, that Jesus makes a way where there is no way. Right? Jesus makes it to the cross. He's hanging on three nails, suspended in the air, on a wooden cross. And right there at his feet, they're gambling over his clothes. You need to understand this. When people are far away from God, they do some pretty crazy things. I said when people get far away from God, they do some pretty crazy things. They're they're at the feet of Jesus hanging on the cross, and they're, they're gambling over his clothes. And one of them says, well, let's tear them into pieces so we can make the game bigger. But one of them speaks up, and I don't even think he knows what he says. In John chapter 19, verse 21. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw the dice for it. You know the devil threw everything he had at Jesus. God gave the devil permission to throw everything at Jesus. Everything, the full army, the full weight of his people or his demons was thrown at Jesus. Everything the devil had and could steal and borrow was thrown at Jesus. You got to get this. He knows everything that you'll ever walk through. Why? Because it was thrown at him. Yet the devil could never get Jesus to tear it apart. And even when they took his clothes from him, the devil couldn't tear his clothes. Are you seeing this? The devil couldn't make him quit. He couldn't make him give up. He couldn't make him throw in the towel. He couldn't disgust him enough. He couldn't disappoint him enough. He couldn't depress him enough. He couldn't do anything to make Jesus quit. Right? And neither should he be able to do that to us. Let me show you a verse in Revelations because you've got to understand something today that we're all priests. Let me show you. Revelations 1.6 says this. 
He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his Father. We are all priests. Jesus gave, gave us access to something unbelievers don't have access to. The Bible says that when Jesus hung on the cross and he took his last breath or he gave up his life, it was never taken from him. You got to understand something. The cross didn't kill Jesus. Jesus gave up his life for us. He gave it up. He gave his last breath to God. He said, Lord, this is it, right? He did that. He gave up his life. And when he did that, the Bible says that the, the clouds rolled in. It got dark as night. The earth began to quake. And at the temple where the Holy of Holies was, there was a veil. And the veil could never be torn by men. In fact, somebody said it would take 12 horses on each side to actually tear that veil. The veil was torn completely in half. Why is that important? Because what Jesus did on the cross, beyond just saving you, beyond just forgiving you of your sins, beyond just bringing about your healing, Jesus gave you access to the presence of God, and he gave you access to the anointing of God. So if God says that you're a priest and you have the anointing and you have the access to his presence, then you can't tear your clothes. You can't quit. You can't give up. You know why? Because you have access. You have access. Look at your neighbor say, you got access. You got them tickets. How many of you know, and I've learned in my 43 years, that when people come and they offer you free LSU Tiger football tickets, that is probably not a good game. I learned the hard way. It took me two or three games, and I'm sitting there, and the stands are half full, and I'm going, pot, they got me. Thought I was blessed. I'm sitting at a broke-down game. So the other day, I, I, I brought some supplies to Lake Charles after Hurricane Harvey hit, and I'm I'm rolling into the warehouse, me and Ethan, and this girl comes up, Pastor Jamie, we got a gift for you. I'm like, oh, okay. We got some LSU tickets. And I went, oh, who are they playing? And I wish I could say it would be Alabama or Auburn or something like that, but it was Syracuse. And Syracuse was kind of like, eh. So we went. But can I tell you something? I had the thought of, can I bless with these tickets? Can I just be real? I wanted to give somebody else access to something that I had access to. I'm here to tell you this morning, as believers, you have access to the presence of God and you have access to the anointing of God and there should never, ever be a reason for you to quit. There should never, ever be something so great in your life that it causes you to give up. But here's the problem. Just because you have access doesn't mean enter in. Access isn't automatic. Too many Christians today are standing outside the presence of God. They're unaware of the anointing of God. And they're wondering why they won't quit. They're wondering why do I feel like I need to give up? Why? What difference does Jesus make in my life? I just don't understand. So many Christians today 
are struggling with this. I don't understand. I gave my life to Jesus. I know what I felt was real, but, but there's something inside of me that's just missing right now. And I don't know. I just want to quit. And I want to give up. And I want to hang it up. And I want to throw in the towel. And I want to say, forget this Christianity thing because it's not working. And here's the problem. They don't know that they've been given access. Or either they do know and they don't know how to get into it. Right? What's, what's so important about this access? Well, if God anoints you, you're able to do things beyond your ability. I believe some people are anointed in the workplace and they have no clue. They sit in meetings and they, this creative idea pops up and they go, well, how about we try this? And everybody goes, wow, that's good. And they go, it's okay. They have no clue. They're anointed. They can pray for somebody's finances and their finances will turn around and go, hey, great. No clue. You're anointed. Walking around with oil dripping off your head and you don't even know it. And too many of us, I think we're just scared to go into the presence of God. We're scared to just enter in that place with him because we got a bad image of God. We think he's sitting there with a belt. It's kind of like when your parents used to say, no. And if they were really creative, they would start slapping the, the discipline rod on their hand. Some of you think that's how God is. Look at me. That's a bad image of God. If God wants to treat you that way, he's not going to call you into the bathroom. He's going to meet you where you're at. Right? But God's calling you into a place called his presence. You know why? Because in his presence is where you find hope. In his presence is where you find security. In his presence is where you find solutions to problems that have no solutions. In his presence, you find healing to things that shouldn't be healed. Right? In his presence, you find a way to restore a relationship that seemed forever broken. And he's calling us into that today. And he's saying, don't tear your clothes in disgust. Don't tear your clothes in just giving up. Don't quit. Come in. Come in. Look at your neighbor and say, the world quits, but we don't. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad weeks. Sometimes you're going to have bad months. And some of you have had bad years. But can I tell you, the Bible said it never says to focus on your problems. The Bible says to never, it never says focus on your problems. That's something we believe the enemy wants us to do. Well, I've got to fix this problem, and I've got to focus on my finances, and I can't tithe, and I can't go to church, and I can't, I can't do ministry because I've got this problem. I've got to focus on this problem. And so because the enemy gets you focusing on a problem, you never fulfill the promise, or you never walk in the promise of God. The Bible says to focus on the promise, not the problem. Because there's something supernatural that happens when you quit looking at your problem and you start hanging on to the promises. Some of you, God can't do a miracle with your problem because you're staring at it too hard. 
But I'm going to tell you from my own experience, there's something supernatural that happens when you forget about your problem and you go, I'm going to hang on to the promise and I'm going to tuck in close to God and I'm going to get to where he wants me to be. In Peter, it says to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. You know why he wants you to do that? Because he's got something bigger than your problems he wants you to do. Your problems are a third-rate substitute for what God has for you. All throughout the Bible, it encourages us when, when problems come, when trials come, to not run, to not hide, to not quit. Depressing. I think about Jesus in the garden getting ready to face the most critical moment in his life. And he's in the garden. And listen to me, he was so real. This is what I love about Jesus is he was so real that he was in the garden. And they wrote it in the Bible. They didn't hide it from us. They wrote it in the Bible that Jesus was on his face praying and crying so hard that it was like blood was sweating from him. And so much anguish. You know why they put that in the Bible? You know why God inspired people to put that in the Bible? Because he knew one day we would be on our face crying about something that happened to the point of thinking about giving up, thinking about divorce, thinking about quitting, thinking about walking out. But Jesus showed us how you get back up and you face the thing that's in front of you and you watch God work. Because of Jesus, we have access. The enemy wants to tear you down. He wants to convince you otherwise. You know, religion says you need to hide your problems. Praise Jesus. Because you have no problems. Sorry to tell you, but nobody can relate to that. If you think about it, it's really quite funny. They, they hide all of their problems and they act like everything is perfect. And they go, praise Jesus, he's the deliverer. I'm going, but hang on, you ain't got nothing to be delivered from. Does that make sense? They act like and they hide their problems and they, they, they put off this facade like everything's fine. Every time you talk to them, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. How you been? Perfect. Just perfect. Struggling with anything? Oh, absolutely not. I'm a Christian. We don't struggle. But Jesus would deliver me if I did. Come on, how stupid is that, right? God didn't hide Jesus' problems. God didn't hide his struggles. Why should we hide ours? I'm not saying we go and we boast about our problems and our troubles and our trials, but we don't hide them. And I'm not telling you to be fake today. I'm telling you, you feel like quitting. It probably looks like you feel like quitting. Because I've seen some of you walking here like, how you doing? I'm not kidding you. A lady walked in one time. She went, it's like, Lord bless her. You know why people need to see your problems? Because they can see you. 
people don't read their Bibles. They sure watch you. I don't know. You know the problem with Facebook? Nobody puts a comment on it. No, the real problems. And so many people look at other people's profiles on Facebook and they go, I don't see your problems so they can see Jesus in the midst of them. They need to know that you get down just like anybody else does. That's the only way they can relate. That's the only way we can speak their language is to say, hey, I hear you, man. It's tough. Marriage is tough. Women are hard-headed. And I'm just here to tell you, I feel your pain. Y'all pray for me. I got to get out the back door. But you can relate. You can relate. You can say, hey, I hear you. My kid rebelled too. Really? Your kid rebelled? Listen to me. You know what it's like when you, you're going through something and the enemy's got you convinced that you're the only one in the world that's having that problem. And then somebody comes along and says, you know, I, I was struggling with the same thing. Man, that reminds me of what I walked through. And then they look at you and they go, Really? Like I'm not the only one. Cheryl and I share our stories sometimes, and people go, "That's hard." That's just the that's the short version. If you really want the gory details, I'll give you some more. But if you want to talk about God's a deliverer, dear goodness, we don't go around bragging about our problems, but we let people see Jesus. In our problems, let me wrap it up with Joel chapter 2. Because you see, we got to get to a place where we go, you know what, my problems are great, but my problems aren't greater than my God. We've got to get to a place where we stop asking, why is this happening to me? We start asking God, what do you want to do to me about this? Joel chapter 2, verse 13, you need to listen carefully. Don't tear your clothing in grief but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord, your God. Don't tear your clothes in a statement of, I'm giving up, I quit, I'm done with this thing. Joel says to tear your heart. Well, Pastor, I'd rather tear my shirt. I hear you. But you're not going to get anywhere when you tear your shirt in disgust. But if you'll let whatever you're walking through break you, because God specializes in broken people. Let me tell you something. When I get broken and my heart gets torn open and I get broken, you know what happens to me? It causes me to humble myself, to get on my face before God, and to draw close to him. I didn't learn that from the scriptures. I learned it simply by the Holy Spirit helping me. As a young man, everything I had around me was dying. My mama died. My grandma died. My great uncle died. A bunch of other family members died. The business I was working for died. Everything was dying. And something inside of me said, don't run, draw close. And I learned a principle at a young age. I didn't learn it from the scriptures. I learned it from the Holy Spirit. That, that when, when bad things happen and, and hurtful things happen, let it break your heart. 
Don't give up, but draw close to God because he's the one that puts the heart back together. He's the one that that gets you into a place where he goes, it's going to be all right. Joel says, don't tear your clothes, but tear your heart. Let it break you. Listen to me, there's nothing wrong with being Things in this life will break you. It hurts. There's disappointment. There's despair. There's loss. The people closest to you hurt you. They hurt you. Right? But when you're hurt, when you're broken, when you grieve, don't run. Don't give up. Don't go to Facebook. Go to God. Amen? And let God put your heart back together. And then if you want to share something on Facebook, talk about how I was broken, but God put me back together. Instead of trying to get tat-tat from a thousand people, get some tat-tat from God. Just saying, it'll work better. Right? The devil wants you to throw in the towel. But God says, don't quit. Let it bring you closer to me. Let the thing you're going through drive you back to me. No matter what you're going through, pain, depression, despair, hurt, grief, loss, don't give up, don't throw in the towel. Put everything aside and come close to Christ because he's a backstop. Look at your neighbor and say, you never know. Last verse. Isaiah chapter 40. You need to underline this because some days you're going to need to read this. Isaiah chapter 40 starting in verse 26. Listen to the words carefully. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youths will grow weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high, say high, high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's how you get through what you're going through, knowing that God has the ability to help you keep running. He has the ability to help you keep going. He's the God of all creation. He's the one that brings us through. He's the one that walks us through. He's the one that opens doors when they don't seem to open. When it seems like you can't fix the problem, Instead of fussing about it and cussing about it, you run to God and you say, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. Lord, would you do it? 
And you watch him do the supernatural. You watch him do the impossible. But I want to encourage you today that you'll never know that side of God if you never press in in those moments. What do I do, Pastor? How do I press in? How do I do all this? I don't know how to do it. It's very simple. You stop. You drop. And you cry out. Amen? You stop what you're doing. You drop everything. Fall to your face. And cry out to God. Everything that you would ever cry out to anybody else about, cry out to God.